Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, I'm Rob Jan. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1424. Welcome back, shipmates. Nice to spin a yarn with you all again after our first ever long holiday season break since we launched back in 1994. I hope you all had a butte break or at least a bit of a slowdown at any rate. It's been a bloody long three years of pandemic and we all need a bit of R&R and a, a lie down and a bicky and a cuppa and no mistake. Thanks to all our fill-in colleagues as well. What fun. Co-host Megan McHugh is still on shore leave today and at the same time I'm not flying solo as I have a feature interview to present, hence today's title. Interview with an interviewer with a Janpire. Our podcast title is Interview with a Vampod. Righto, hit it. Okay, that was interview with the orchestra from the interview with the Vampire television series soundtrack. Daniel Hart is the composer and musician there for the AMC television series interview with the Vampire. Now, US American author Anne Rice was born in 1941 in New Orleans and she died in 2021, leaving behind a legacy of immensely popular neo-gothic slash erotic slash fantasy slash jugular vein blood-sucking horror, the bulk of which can be found in her Vampire Chronicles series, which is comprised of 13 core novels, two books of new tales of the vampires, and assorted crossovers with another of her fiction series, the six-volume Lives of the Mayfair Witches. Collectively, the Chronicles have sold more than 80 million copies globally, which would pay for an awful lot of withdrawals from the blood bank, I reckon. Now, the first book in the VC series, first published in 1976, was Interview with the Vampire, which featured the centuries-old vampire Louis de Pont du Lac, seeking out a young mortal reporter, Daniel Malloy, to take down an account of his supernatural existence as a creature of the night. Now, directed by Neil Jordan, a 1994 film was based upon this novel with Tom Cruise as the vampire Lestat, alongside other vamps including Brad Pitt as Louis, Kirsten Dunst as Claudia, and Antonio Banderas as Armand. Christian Slater played the human journalist Daniel. 
a standalone sequel movie directed by Michael Reimer and incidentally shot right here in Melbourne, Australia, starred Alia as the vampire queen Akasha with Stuart Townsend playing Lestat alongside vampires played by Aussie actors including Claudia Black, Bruce Spence and Matthew Newton as well as Paul McGann who we know as well as the 8th Doctor Who. US cable network AMC got the television rights to the Vampire Chronicles and Mayfair Witches in 2020. The series creator is playwright and writer Roland Jones. Uh, We know him from his writing for the excellent series United States of Tara and also Boardwalk Empire. He stepped up to supervising producer and to write on Friday Night Lights. The story picks up around half a century after Daniel Malloy's Initial interview with Vampire Louis as he once again approaches the now veteran writer to record his story, this time in Dubai instead of the USA. The series stars Jacob Anderson as Louis, Sam Reed as Lestat, Bailey Bass as Claudia, and Assad Zaman as Armand. And there are many changes between the book and the series, so you may not rely upon a what you've seen before in the other movie either for a guide to this new series which is all to the good really when you think about it in australia you can sample interview of a vampire the series on apple tv plus or amazon prime for free and then continue if you wish on with the amc plus subscription through those platforms now there are eight episodes in the first season and the same in the in production second season. If you want to revisit the 1994 movie, it's out on DVD or streaming on Stan, Binge, or Foxtel now. On Queen of the Damned is similarly out on DVD and for rent on Apple TV Plus. Please make note that the television series includes high-impact violence and sex scenes. So, in today's feature interview, we're chatting with US-American actor Eric Bogosian, who plays Daniel Malloy, the journalist with the exceptionally hazardous task of interviewing said vampire. Now, let's introduce him with another piece from the series soundtrack by another Daniel, composer Daniel Hart. Hello, this is Paul McGann. I play the eighth incarnation of The Doctor, and you are listening to 3 FM. Now, that was the overture to Season 1 of AMC's streaming series, Interview with the Vampire, music by US-American composer and musician Daniel Hart. And we know Hart's work often in context of collaboration with director David Lowry in the soundtrack of films that include the 2016 reboot of Pete's Dragon, Ghost Story in 2017, and most recently the superbly evocative soundtrack to The Green Knight. Now, on Zero G, we're talking to US-American actor Eric Bogosian, who plays the veteran journalist Daniel Malloy, the mortal man who is sought after by Vampire Louis, to once again interview him, this time in much greater depth as he begins with his story of his life as an African-American brothel owner in 18th century New Orleans. Yes, there are many changes from the novel to the small screen. Now, Eric is a bit of a Renaissance man himself, as he's also a novelist, historian, monologist, playwright, and writer in general, who has a Pulitzer Prize drama finalist for his work, Talk Radio. Now, Oliver Stone directed a film adaptation of that, 
and another of his plays. Also, Suburbia was adapted to the screen too. And, of course, his one-man stage show Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll was also made into a movie. His movie and television credits range across the 1980s to the present day and include appearances in everything from adaptations of his own plays to Under Siege 2, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, The Twilight Zone, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, Elementary, and Law and Order Criminal Intent. He's also written several novels, including one about the events connected to the Armenian Genocide, whose title is Operation Nemesis. So we called today's episode Interview with an Interviewer of the Vampire. (laughs) It's very meta here, so I'd like to welcome Eric Bogossian to our show today. Hello, Eric. Hello. We're also talking to Daniel Malloy, journalist, because that's the character that Eric plays in the new AMC television series. They've got a lot to go. If they go for all of Anne Rice's books, I believe they've got the rights to the content for all 18 books. Yeah, I've been working my way through them myself, and i it's quite a task. I'm glad I'm not the writer on this show. All I have to do is learn <laughs> the lines. <laughs> well, they've already been written, so you know there's no pressure there. Well, Rollin Jones does have the job of taking the material, honoring it, and then weaving the story that is our story on the show, which is different. There's alterations, but the soul of the idea is still there. And certainly with Daniel Malloy, the character I play, Daniel Malloy goes through all sorts of things in the Anne Rice novels, but the initial introduction of Daniel Malloy is very different than in Interview with the Vampire because it's now 40 years or so have passed. This Daniel, the old Daniel, I'm not that old, but anyway, I am old. He looks back at what he did when he was a kid and he's like, I want another crack at it. And (laughs) he gets another crack at it. So that's the... He feels that he wasn't as penetrating and as careful as he should be the first time he interviewed the vampire. And now he's more skeptical about what Louis is telling him. So that's <laughs> that's the sort of foundation of where we go with the story. That's yes, I was watching the first episode and uh, Daniel says, well, it's a do-over, isn't it, basically? Yeah. Don't think that we did miss the Easter egg that was in the captions there. It said, Daniel Malloy, journalist, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner. So you're actually a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize in the drama category once. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There are parallels. I think the biggest parallel is the early Daniel Malloy. He was willing to basically walk through any doorway and hang out with anybody to see what was going to happen. And that was kind of my story when I was 25 years old. First got to New York and it was like, I did anything and hung out with anybody just to see what would happen. You know, I think at the time I was thinking, and I think the guy in the book is, it's the same reason why he gets involved with the vampire in the first place. This is my job is to know things, learn things, be curious. Uh, Maybe curiosity will kill the cat, but that's the risk I'm going to take. The older Daniel is a different kind of person. He's much more careful, but on the other hand, he's a much more seasoned journalist and there's a story to be got and he's going to get that story. And that becomes what is motoring me through the seven episodes. And it was a really great role that Rollin Jones wrote. Hello, this is Bobcat Goldthwait and you're listening to 3 Triple R FM Melbourne. I'm assuming that Daniel was unsuccessful in getting the 
original interview from 49 years ago or whatever published because, I mean, he's like fired from several different newspapers and then rehired. And that. it reminds me a bit of uh, Kolshak, the Night Stalker. He had a, a similar journalistic run in his career with vampires. The issue is, and it's brought up in the second, uh-huh. uh, uh, in the Vampire Lestat, no one believes him, <laughs> basically. <laughs> he, tell, he goes through all this effort to tell this story and no one believes him. And so he goes on with his life. I think there's an aspect, and this is true in almost everybody's life, when something really extraordinary happens, you almost wonder, did it happen? Was I making that up? Maybe I was high. Who knows? And so here we are back. If he thinks he's just dreaming, well, he starts to get different evidences are presented to him, and it it becomes very clear in the course, not just in the flashbacks, because that's all they are, are stories that are being told to Daniel, but things that are actually happening in Dubai in front of him. He sees people getting, you know, he'd never seen that. He never saw anybody actually get their blood sucked. And he sees it a couple of times in the course of the seven episodes. He sees fire ignited right in front of his eyes. Rollin keeps accessing the things that Anne Rice tells you in this different books of what the rules and regulations of being a vampire are. Uh, what can be done? What can they do? What can't they do? And one of the things that she keeps saying is that they they can read minds, but they don't always read minds. They can fly, but it's too hard to fly. So they're not going to always be flying. And that kind of stuff, this sort of rule book that Rollin has to keep in mind as he's writing our version. And uh, it's very complex yeah. and it's quite extensive. I mean, I don't know how she wrote these books. I guess it's it, certainly in the world of fantasy, there's a lot of these uh, marathon type books where people just have this prodigious output for years on end. And then, I don't know, they just explode or something at a certain point. But certainly Anne Rice was one of those people. Uh, hi, this is Jim Beaver. I play Bobby Singer on the TV series Supernatural. And you're listening to 3 Triple R FM Zero G, idiots. One of the things that interested me in your portrayal of Daniel, as opposed to any other one that we may have seen in movies and so on, is that Daniel growing old now, and he has Parkinson's disease in the story, you know, we know how these things go. Obviously, at some stage, is he not going to be tempted to ask Louis to turn him and to, to cure him, essentially? He's tempted from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it had always been a temptation for Daniel, and there is, again... If you follow the Anne Rice rules and regulations of how people become vampires, it's a very big deal to cross over and be turned into a vampire. All I know is, is that in my, you know, here I am in my late 60s doing this role. I have friends who've passed. I've got friends who will soon pass. I've had parents, lost my parents. I mean, you think more about, then yeah. a 25 year old just doesn't think about mortality that much. When you get old, when you get in your 60s, you do think about it. You think about it a lot. And so it's a different kettle of fish for Daniel at this stage of the game. And I think it's very present. And there's the Parkinson's. Look, I don't even need Parkinson's to be thinking about immortality. I think the other thing too, is that Anne Rice meditates in all of her books about what immortality really means. It's easy for any of us to fantasize, hey, it'd be great to just never die and live Mm. forever. Would it be? Would it? Mm. That's the question she asks. A question that wasn't asked in any of the other, uh, in Dracula, any of those books. It was just like, he's a vampire. That's all you need to know. Now we're dealing with this other kind of thing of really deep philosophical questions of 
life kind of needs to be limited for it to be life and what happens when it isn't. So I, actually, I'm really happy to have this extended meditation going on in my life at this time because I don't know. There's there's Buddhist teachings that say that you only you can only die right if you can come to your death peacefully and with serenity. And anyway, that gets that's we're off topic here, but <laughs> I, I still embrace it. And I yeah. think embrace obviously embraced it. The whole interview with the vampire series began after she had lost her child, mm. and she had to have had a lot of time to think about what is death and. How does it act in our life? And that's always, I mean, every page of these books is saturated with this thinking. And it's not just life, death, my life, my death, but what is life and what yeah. is art and what is beauty and what is what is this thing that we're in? I think she's fantastic and that she loves this to talk about this stuff. As a science fiction and fantasy radio show, I'm really not surprised that you can use genre to unpick the seams of the meaning of life and what it is to be human and inhuman. It does seem to surprise the mainstream journalists sometimes, though. Yeah, I mean, some of the best writing uh, on these things, obviously, Philip K. Dick was able to come at it again and again and again, and in ways, and again, create movies built off of his thinking and I think he also did a lot of amphetamines too. I think Anne Rice maybe <laughs> did a couple. And I think he had to write those big books. <laughs> it's about addiction, isn't it? Vampirism and drugs. Yes. There's not much change between them in the novel or in the series, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's uncanny how she bridges addiction, certainly intravenous drug use and how that works, and then also sex. I mean, it's all part of it. Although deep in some of her books, she alludes to what exactly is different about a vampire and a regular person. And I'll let other people go searching around the books for that information, but it applies to sex as well. So then you wonder, okay, what, what exactly is happening on the show? But that's for people who, that's not for me. I just have to play Daniel. I don't, I don't have to worry about that stuff. <laughs> Here's another track from AMC's fantasy series leading its exploration of the Anne Rice Vampire Chronicles with season one of Interview with the Vampire. Again, this features Daniel Hart, composer and musician, in conjunction with Shruti Kumar in the chilling piece, The Sun Gives Life to Everyone But Us. This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. The sun that gives life to everyone but us. Daniel Hart and Shruti Kumar from the AMC Fantasy Series soundtrack Interview with the Vampire. Hart is a US American composer and musician, and so is Kumar, the latter known for working on the speculative fiction anthology series Future States, amongst other works. Rob Jan back interviewing the interviewer from AMC's Interview with the Vampire series. Eric Bogossian plays journalist Daniel Malloy, having a second crack at getting the Vampire Louis story straight from the fanged mouth. First episode of the AMC series, of course, it's set in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was going to New Orleans anyway. I love New oh. Orleans. I was going to be, I was headed there. I already had my plane ticket, and then I got the phone call. I was like, well, I'm going to be down there anywhere, guys. I'll just, I'll just change the ticket. I'll get down there a little earlier. So I was going to go down for the music. I love New Orleans. As cities in the United States go, it's completely different than every place else. 
I was down there after the the hurricane and the floods and just briefly, but to do some volunteer work. The people are just wonderful. It's another dimension. And because of that, it appeals to going to an otherworldly place to make a fantasy like this, like this show. It has so much texture. Person who designed the whole look of the show, Mara, she really did an amazing job. And like a number of us have said, Assad also says this, when we entered that set in Dubai, it helped us play the roles because it's just filled with all this crazy stuff. You're sitting there on the couch and you're looking over at some art piece that's just, whoa, what is that I'm looking at exactly? Some creepy stuff in that apartment. And then the house that they live in, in New Orleans, which was another set, you know, I got to wander around in that. Whoa, so spooky, so creepy, so beautifully designed. I was hoping you actually got to visit the set. It was right across the hall. So I did go over and hang out there a little bit. <laughs> the whole thing was shot inside of an old hardware big box store that had been abandoned and they built all these sets in there. Yeah, I mean, the my character does a lot of different things. There is there is some forward momentum as far as my discovery of the true story but I'm also representing mortals in the mm. show. Most of the show is people, they're either awful people who are get killed by the vampires, or there's me in between mm. it all. I kind of represent the point of view of the mortals who are watching the show. My skepticism, my curiosity, like, okay, can you always fly or can you only sometimes fly? Can you <laughs> read my mind right now? All those kind of questions come up. Daniel expresses them, and they and I think people watching are thinking about that stuff too. I'm glad that you didn't get to be just in a booth recording your voiceover or something. That would have been a bit hard to take. Not only did I not do that, but Jacob, who has a lot of voiceover in it as well, he insisted on learning every line and expressing every line. We shot every line. So everything you hear him saying we actually acted those scenes with each other. And I sat there listening to him or questioned him. And he brought it all every time. It was amazing to be around because he could have just gone in a booth and done a lot of that stuff, but he didn't do it. He wanted to learn it and do it and act it. He's a wonderful guy to work with. Jacob Anderson is playing the vampire Louis. I was a fan of his from Game of Thrones. That was a big reason why I wanted to do the show was to work with this kid because he's, I say kid, I mean, he's my son's age, so he's a kid to me. <laughs> and yet he's hundreds of years old in the story. <laughs> <laughs> and he does all kinds of fun things with that. I mean, he subtly changes in the course of the series from the sort of wide-eyed guy, angry wide-eyed guy that he is at the very beginning to a more knowing guy and then the guy that's actually being interviewed. So he's a kind of he's got to play different versions of himself in the course of the show. He and Sam Sam Reed is playing the vampire Lestat. They brought it all every time they shot that show. I mean, the, the it takes courage actually because when you really totally commit yourself to a role, it's vulnerable. What if it doesn't work? Then people Just, are going to make fun of you or something. And, of course, we are talking to Eric Bogossian, who is playing Daniel Malloy, the journalist, who is the – actually, when you think about it, you're the second title character. You're the interviewer. Yeah, that's right. Interview with a vampire. Surely that, character, yes. Surely that deserves a pay rise. 
<laughs> uh, I got taken care of. They took care of me. <laughs> yeah, they wanted a tone, and I guess I'm the guy that brings that tone to what they wanted with Daniel, or what I should say Rollin wanted with, with Daniel. So, Can uh, you speak to how you got the gig? It was a strange series of things happened all at once. My wife was directing a play in Chicago, and I went to visit her, and she was staying in housing that they give to directors. So it's it a little apartment. And just the day before, I had been thinking, if there was one thing I want to do that I haven't done yet is to play a vampire. That was literally the day before I got the offer for the role. I walked into this apartment where my wife was staying, and there was a little tiny bookcase. And on the bookcase were, I'd say, 30 books. 16 of them were Anne Rice books. That was also weird. Then I got the call and we hashed it out and I ended up saying I would take the role. Like I said, I was going to be going to New Orleans anyway. And then to my amazement, months later, I found out that one of the writers on our show was the playwright that my wife was working with, Eleanor Burgess, Mm -hmm. which is kind of bizarre. I mean, Eleanor didn't know that my wife was, you know, they we didn't know all these connections. So that's how I got the role. Joe Bonney is... Eric's wife, born in Australia, and is an American theatrical director. Yes. My wife just had her first show on Broadway, Cost of Living, by Martina Majok, and it is a huge success. Yeah, she's been in the States. Well, we've been together for 42 years. She's been in the States for 43 years. We met on a job, and best thing ever happened to me. But yeah, she's a fantastic stage director. This is Sir Derek Jacobi. Zero G or not zero G? That is the question. The role of Daniel, it's not the first time you've been involved with vampires on screen, is it? No, no, that's true. Wesley Snipes is... um, Blade Trinity. Blade 3. I do some interviewing on Blade 3 as well. And probably some other things as well. I don't know. I've played Satan three times in my life, so I guess (laughs) I'm sort of affiliated with that, that realm the dark world, yeah. Yeah, you've done actually quite a few little genre things along the way, an episode of the, the Twilight Zone in the in the 80s, I think, on the revival of that. And yes, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking, oh, looking at your massive resume and CV, uh, thinking, oh, he hasn't done too much genre. Then I drilled down into it and I thought, well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric, your role is more than just brackets or bookends. As the series evolves, there's room for Danny to become more part of the plot. To be honest, I thought that it was going to just be bookends. And so when they first approached me, I said, no. I said to my agent, I'll just make it easy for you. It's a no and tell him no. And he said, well, why don't you think about it overnight? Because in fact, it isn't, it isn't like I come in at the beginning and I come in at the end. I am integrated to a story that's following sort of parallel to the story that's happening in New Orleans. It ended up being a very challenging role and very enjoyable and mm. satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you this. Okay. The beginning things that I have to do are much simpler in yep. the show. As it gets deeper and deeper, my task as a character, my uh, my acting, it just it gets harder and harder and it it was wonderful to be able to go there and it was full of surprises. I didn't always know where we were going and it all ends in the last I mean literally the last minute of the whole series everything comes together ah. um, and drops us in this place and I'm like, well, okay, now what happens and I guess I'm going to find out they're writing the scripts now for the second season. 
Time for our weekly David Bowie, who of course famously played a vampire in the 1983 Tony Scott film, The Hunger, opposite Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon. Included on the soundtrack of that film is a song called Fun Time, which was originally written by Iggy Pop and David Bowie for Iggy's 1977 album, The Idiot. Bowie wrote the music, sings the chorus, and plays keyboard, synth, and piano. So much of a stretch, really, even without the inclusion in The Hunger, as the lyrics also reference Dracula. Captain Catherine Janeway of the Federation Starship Voyager. Zero-G is fun, as you were. Iggy Pop and David Bowie having a fun time from the 1997 album The Idiot, by way of the soundtrack for the Tony Scott movie, The Hunger, which, of course, starred Mr. Bowie as a vampire, the kind of role that he, along with Tilda Swinton in Only Lovers Left Alive, well, they're both at least aesthetically overqualified and destined to play vampires. Rob Jan, back having a natter with the interviewer in the AMC television show, Interview with the Vampire, which is to say actor Eric Bogossian, who plays journalist Daniel Malloy in the series. <laughs> I wonder if AMC is trying to create a, a new undead franchise in the wake of the conclusion of the main title in the Walking Dead series. Because of the way that human beings have evolved, uh, we're all interested in procedural because it really is a survival thing for us to know how things work. And I think that's half of the fascination for interview with the vampire and Anne Rice's books. And, you know, 1976 onwards, this is when they came out. So they've actually helped lay the groundwork for a lot of modern day vampire procedural in stories. In Absolutely. You know, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer through to I Am Legend. Well, actually, that's kind of contemporary originally. We really want to know how this all works. And I guess Daniel would be fascinated by that as a journalist. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that, of course, Daniel would have known things like Dracula when he was a kid in the 70s. I read the book in the 70s. So I'm very contemporary with the book, the character, everything. I, I parallel the. But Dracula, and I'm a big fan of classic vampire stuff. There's no interest in his what's going on inside of him. It's all the mortals who are around this very powerful being. Anne Rice really creates a whole different thing of this interior. There's a lot of debate going on in all of the Anne Rice books, in Lestat, in all of them, push-pull, good, evil, all this stuff is endlessly going on. Passion uh, gets questioned. So yeah, she deepened it and she opened the doors for people to come and do all kinds of stuff. Now there's vampire comedies and there's all kinds of vampire stuff. I mean, no one even mentions Fearless Vampire Killers, which was Roman Polanski's movie, which is a fantastic movie, uh, which I was another big fan of. But all of those vampires are monsters. These vampires are human beings who've become vampires, and it's a different thing. And I guess you can bring this to a lot of other genres as well. I don't know them all that well, but it's certainly been explored on AMC with The Walking Dead. I Am Legend before Richard Matheson's uh, seminal vampire novel. People have seen various movie versions of that. Well, none of the more recent ones have really played it as vampires. They're more like zombies. And But people forget that I Am Legend is another seminal vampire novel. So, you know, they do cross over in the genres, and sometimes you don't know that they've actually crossed over. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing I thought maybe Daniel would be quite fascinated with is, as you say, the the interviews are in the forms of flashbacks that the vampires are telling Daniel as he's doing the interview. But it must be quite tempting for Daniel to say, well, did you ever meet this historical character or that one? We haven't gotten there yet. If you look at the further exploration of the stories by Anne Rice, she moves all over different historical epochs and goes all the way back to the Roman Empire and then even further back to Egypt and all kinds of stuff. You have to kind of pick your battles when it comes to any kind of writing, decide what you're going to put in the foreground, what you're going to do in the put in the background. And the main thing is to pro- actually, I mean, if you're a skillful writer, or filmmaker to say to your audience, uh, ignore that man behind the curtain. You know, don't think about that other thing. Think about this thing that I'm showing you. Yeah. The show as it exists now has so much momentum that you really become completely involved in. I mean, I don't mean to say what, what people see when they see the show, but this is what I saw when I saw the show. And certainly in that first episode leading up to the horrific killings at the very end of the first episode, that's where we're we're there. We're not thinking about anything else at that moment. For Daniel, though, I guess what comes into the foreground is not the debate of, you know, oh, I'm a vampire. Should I be a vampire? What does it mean to be a vampire? But how much danger am I in? Because mm-hmm. Daniel is in the here and now sitting in a room with a guy who can tear him limb from limb in a, in a moment. I do think that there's an aspect of Daniel, again, something that I relate to. This is just maybe a character flaw in me or something that the more danger there is, the more I step into it. It's just the way I grew up. I grew up around bullies and eventually I had to sort of, it wasn't that I could necessarily defeat them. They were bigger than me and I got beat up a lot, but I was not going to let them know I was afraid. When I saw danger, I stepped into it. And that is something that Daniel's doing. He is not going to let Louie know that he's frightened of Louie. So he just keeps pushing in. I'm all for that. It's easy for me to play that role. Mind you, Louie could probably tell that you were frightened with his, you know, preternatural senses, yes. uh, elevated heartbeats, uh, temperature, that sort of thing. He could tell anyway. So yeah. but that must be very interesting because first episode, at least, we get a lot of procedural on how the vampires hunt. And, you know, Louie himself is being seduced by Lestat. So it must occur to Daniel while he's listening to that that he's being seduced too. Well, I have to say that when, you know, Jacob really brought that vibe to the interview when I'm working with him and he would be mesmerizing to interview. He gave it everything and I could feel myself being pulled into his psyche as he would tell me the story. It was powerful and it was great. It's something (laughs) that I've been, I've had to learn how to do as an actor. I started out as, as an actor. I'm sort of a power hitter or something. And so I could, I could come out there and really blast away. And over the years, I learned that that isn't necessarily the most skillful aspect of acting. And one of the things I had to learn how to do was how to listen. And listening to Jacob was thrilling because he was really going there. And then he would pull me into that reality. And then that, in turn, allows me to show that with Daniel. I mean, it's interesting what happens with film because the tiniest things are visible to the viewer. It's just something about the human face or something. Yeah. 
and you can't capture it. You can try, but you can't capture it with, you know, CGI or any of that stuff. Even much later, this isn't really giving anything away, but there's a moment much later, I think in the sixth episode, when uh, I'm sleeping and the director said, okay, you're sleeping, your eyes are closed. So I'm like, this is going to be great. I just have to lie here with my eyes closed. And he said, now move your eyes around like as if you're watching something under your eyelids. And I'm like thinking, well, they're never going to see that. How can they see my eyes moving under my pupils, moving under my eyelids? But you can see it. When they, when they when they came when they when I ended up seeing that thing, I'm like, wow, you can't you actually can see that that's happening. So the most subtle stuff is visible, and that's part of the fun of being an actor is that you're constructing things, you're constructing emotional moments or character or whatever. But there's also a lot that's just intuitive that's just kind of flowing out, and if the camera captures it, and I guess you're successful as an actor. Now, earlier in the show, I noted another Vampire Chronicles-inspired film, the 2002-released Michael Reimer movie, Queen of the Damned, which was filmed in Melbourne. And U.S. American singer Alia played the thousands-of-year-old title vampire queen, Akasha. And Alia, as you may know, had largely finished her work on the film when she was tragically killed along with her crew in a light plane crash on August the 25th in 2001 while they were returning from a music video shoot in the Bahamas. And by coincidence, Alia was born on January 16th in 1979, so day is her birthday, and she was 22 when she died. I thought I might play a track from her 1994 debut studio album, Age Ain't Nothing But A Number, to mark her birthday. Gone too early, but not forgotten. Hi there, I'm Jen Saska. And I'm Sylvia Saska. And, and we're, we're the, the Twisted, Twisted Twins. And you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple RFM. Did you love it? That's a good for you too. Heck yeah. Age Ain't Nothing But A Number. And US American singer, Alia the Kasha, the a Queen of the Damned. Having a yarn here on Zero G today with actor Eric Bogosian, who plays journalist Daniel Malloy, the first half of the title in the AMC television series Interview with the Vampire. It's not just the procedural for the vampires, too. You have a procedural as an interviewer, and I'm thinking of your work, Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll, and, and the monologuing that you've been doing in those and, and, and related issues, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, you must have worked on the study of interviewing people yourself how do you bring interviewing skills to being an interviewer when you're playing that i mean you know you're an interviewer so one of the things about interviewing because i've played i mean barry champlain interviews people throughout talk radio as well yeah um in that movie and one of the things about being an interviewer is that you have to be doing four things at the same time. You have to be listening to the person. You have to be questioning what the person is saying. Be thinking about your next question based on what they were saying. So there's a lot of formulas going on at the same time. And I mean, I can't say that I consciously think I'm trying to show these things when I'm playing the role, but I, but I know that that's what Daniel is doing. And I'm doing that. I'm mm. trying to understand but a deeper than just the way two people talk to each other. Journalist does not just listen. The journalist is 
piecing things together while they're listening. I had enough experience with that. I've been a researcher also. And in that case, I don't necessarily bring all those, all of that skepticism to the, to the job. But you, the one thing you don't want to do, and, and again, you know, this is you don't want to leave any stone unturned. You don't want to afterwards say, I wish I had asked that question and I forgot to ask it. So, I had situations where I was researching this book about uh, Armenian genocide and these guys who, this is not a fiction story, it's a true story that these guys went and avenged the Armenian genocide and killed all these Turkish leaders in the 1920s. And I was interviewing people who knew about this stuff. They were old. And I would go to Paris or Berlin or something and interview people. And you really realize, you know, this is your only opportunity. You don't get it all now. You're not going to get it. So... That is, um, I guess that's part of the job as well. My introduction, I mentioned that Eric had written several novels, including Operation Nemesis. Well, I hadn't known about it. And then I had heard one story that was, I guess, well known, which was this one kid had shot Talat Pasha in Berlin. Yeah. I decided I would write some, I was going to write a movie about it. But then I was fell down a rabbit hole and found out that there was way more to this story than I knew. And that, in fact, it was a whole group of guys who had uh, been sent all over Europe to hunt down all these Turks and kill them. And they did. They killed six people. And this was all had been orchestrated out of uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, um, New York State. In uh, Armenians were living in the United States. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? So seven years later, the book comes out. It took a lot to find this story, and there were people who didn't want to tell the whole story. And so, yeah, to some degree, I had to, I had to find the other story. Yeah, but I wanted to be sure that I got it all down. Look, I think actually the story that's in my book, uh, Operation Nemesis, I spent seven years on it. I think you could spend your whole life on it. it, it yeah, I learned a lot about history. To tell you the truth, I learned that you should always read history carefully because a lot of people are just repeating things that other people said. There are things you can do these days. You can go in the British archives from your computer hmm. and you can go looking around. And I did. And I found information that about that nobody had bothered to look for. And I found it. And yeah. you can, you can, you can do that. But when you find those little bits and pieces, you go, wow, like nobody ever mentioned this before. This has never come up before. This is fantastic. It's exciting to work on a history. And truth is almost always stranger than fiction. I was amazed. I mean, the connections. There was a British spy who was involved with the Armenians as far as this is these assassinations. His brother was the guy who f- discovered Tut on Ankum's tomb and died from a mosquito bite. But they said afterwards it was a curse because he had opened the tomb up and then he died. That guy's name was Charles Herbert. You know, they grew up in, what's that TV show about? It's a sort of upstairs, downstairs show uh, in Britain. It's a BBC show in there. It's not Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. That building, Downton Abbey, it isn't called Downton Abbey. That's where Aubrey Herbert grew up. He grew up in that building. Okay. So those are the kind of things I learned about while I was working on the book. <laughs> it's all grist to the writer's mill, obviously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the story of the vampires in that I can imagine them actually intervening in historical events, either accidentally or or because it's part of their, their larger plan. I would imagine that mostly they'd be trying to run sort of silent, like under the radar, because 
you know, if they, they got noticed as a, a thing and governments of the world started taking interest in them and, you know, that, that would be quite difficult for them to maintain. Well, they did. Yeah, they had to, they had to go to ground. In 1922, they were told, stop killing people and because uh, this isn't going to look good if they find out that we keep uh, sending out Armenians to kill Turks and the Brits were part of it as well. Yeah, it's a, well, if you have the time, you're a book person, get a hold of Operation Nemesis and read it. I mean, it. Well, look, it's been fascinating talking with you today. I, yeah, same I, here. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And I hope you get to see the rest of the show because it really gets pretty great. In Australia, you can sample Interview with a Vampire, the series on Apple TV Plus or Amazon Prime for free for the first episode and then continue on with AMC Plus by subscription if you so choose through those platforms. The 1994 movie can be revisited on DVD or streaming on Stan, Binge or Foxtel now. You were saying you loved music from New Orleans. Is there a track? From New Orleans or... Or or anything, really. For today, Never Trusted Junkie Ministry. How about that? I think that's that's probably perfect. <laughs> What's that movie, uh, The Man with the Golden Arm? That really yeah, applies to vampires, right. doesn't it? Right, right. Yeah, it's all the same thing. It's yeah. all it's all being mortal. Enjoy your trip here and yeah, setting up. up for the second season of the show too. We look forward to seeing Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Peace. Thanks to AMC Plus, Bonita Woodley and Gillian Heggie from Nixco and Triple R's Elizabeth McCarthy for arranging the interview. Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. Thanks to our podcaster, Alice Savage, and thanks also to co-host Megan McHugh. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.